Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. In this episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen to the Gospel and Father Brian Barr's homily from this past Sunday. As always, keep an eye out for our Q&A and discussion episodes. Until then, here's the Gospel from August 6, 2017, the Feast of the Transfiguration of the Lord. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. When the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I was away uh, last week for a couple of days. I was up in uh, Lake George for uh, three nights. Went with, yeah, it was great. I went with, um, it's fun. I went with uh, it's a priest, priest friend of mine. I got these three quick little um, observations I want to I wanna share with you from my time away. Uh, the first one happened, I think, it was the, uh, I think it was the first night we were there. We went out to dinner. It was a really cool place, right? Right on the water. Um, just such a great setting, a great night. This family comes in, and um, they're seated right next to us. Uh, it was a mom, a dad, and four kids. I guess the, the oldest was probably 13. The youngest was maybe three, uh, maybe even a little younger, and then two in the middle. Um, anyway, it, with, within a couple of minutes of their sitting down, it was just, it kind of became chaos. Um, they just brought this chaos in with them in a way um and you could almost tell stuff was happening before they came in the oldest two were fighting with each other and you know something must have happened on the way to the restaurant so the father was really got up and he and he separated them and you could see he was like he was really annoyed um five minutes later a glass of milk goes over on the table so mom goes a little uh a little insane over that about five minutes after that, another glass goes over, another, a glass of water. So she was now like kind of out of her head. Um, and then, this was the worst, I guess, uh, was the youngest kid. He kind of came in a little cranky, uh, or at least he looked that way, sort of disruptive. Well, he now at this point has this total, complete meltdown uh, in this restaurant screaming, um, foods being kind of thrown around, and uh, 
you could just tell, like, he, he couldn't be calmed. It was one of those moments when it was just like, okay, there's, there's, I can't really stop him at this point. Um, so the dad gets up, picks the kid up, and just brings him out, gets him out of the restaurant. Um, they never came back. I don't. I guess they just stayed in the in the park a lot. Maybe they went down to the lake. Um, and the mom just, I'm, I'm looking at the mom, and she just looked so spent. She was just a little looking like, I just want to go home, was kind of like the look on her face. So we're kind of looking at this, and, and I'm looking at my friend, and, um, and I said to him, you know, celibacy really isn't so bad. Um, and then he goes, uh, yeah, you kind of read my mind. Um, and we had another drink, so it was just like, like, oh, man. Anyways, that was the first little experience, this, this family. The second one was, um, I guess it was two days later. It was the last, it was the morning we were leaving. And uh, my buddy, he's returning the keys to the hotel guy, and I'm in the car, kind of just throwing my, my bag in the car. So you see, you try, you know, traveling solo. So it's like I got one bag, you know, no strollers and play pens and the whole world. So uh, anyway, I'm sitting there waiting for Tom, to, my, my buddy, to sh come back. And uh, this family is also leaving. So they're kind of packing their car. And you can see that there's, I can see that there's tension. Uh, they're looking for something. Uh, and then I real, I, I'm able to catch what they're saying. She, mom can't find her wallet. So the, the husband is aggravated. They're sort of snapping at each other. And uh, he's taking everything out of the car and he's opening bags and she's back in the hotel in the room looking for the wallet um you know clearly they're irritated at each other you know he goes to her uh, well when's the last time you saw it and she's like if i knew the last time i saw it i wouldn't be looking for it right now so it's just not not good um he's kind of rolling his eyes at her she looks like she wants to f fling him in the lake um anyway so it was sort of like a Slightly different version of the dinner experience two nights before. Different family and slightly different details, but it was just sort of like, wasn't easy. Uh, I, I, I remember kind of sitting in the car thinking, man, you know, I got it okay. I got it pretty good. Um, so that's the second one. Here's the last one. Uh, this was in the middle, I guess, of those two. And it was, uh, it was one of the mornings I got up, and they had rowboats at this little motel. So I went out. I went out for a row. And oh, before I did that, I'm, I'm walking to the dock, and uh, there's a dad at the dock with his two little boys. And they're getting, they're getting ready to go fishing. And they were just so psyched, these two, these two little guys. And dad was kind of sh showing them how to fish and how to, you know, the, the worms and baiting the hook and you know one of the little guys wanted nothing to do with the worms the other guy was kind of loving the worms and uh, and I'm just kind of listening to all this and then I get in the boat I go out and they, they kind of got in their boat you know like travel sound travels crazy when you're on the water so I must have been 30 or 40 yards from them but I heard it was like I was in the boat I could I couldn't not hear what they were saying and it was just it was so great it was just like this dad and his two boys, and he's telling them f stories about when he was a little kid, and fishing stories. He was telling them stories about grandpa, their grandfather, his dad. and um, It was like a scene out of a movie. Um, and I watched it all from my boat 
alone. And uh, I remember feeling really kind of alone, like thinking, oh, this isn't the first time I've thought about this. This happens a lot. Like, God, I wish I had my own kids. I wish I, wish I could take my boys fishing and kind of have a comparable conversation with my own. Um, some of my clever comments the night before about celibacy not being so bad and my life being real comfortable, I'm packing my car with one bag and I got it good, like I wasn't so clever anymore. Um, alone in the boat wasn't such a good place to be. And hey, I'm 24 years a priest, like that's nothing new, that wasn't some revelation I had. I've, I've had those moments, you have them all the time. You also have great moments. But you have the tough ones too, right? I mean, don't we all? We all have our meltdown in the restaurant moments. We all have our my husband or my wife is an idiot moments. I want to kill them moments. We all have our I'm kind of lonely in the rowboat moment. Depending on the life we've been called to and the, the choices we've made, the promises we've made, we all got our moments. But we also have mountaintop moments. Like we all have moments when things just come together and life is right. And there's like sort of clarity. Like things make sense. I'm reminded of why I'm living the life I'm living. I'm reminded of the rightness of the, the promises I made. It's just right. You know, our faith calls those moments um, transfiguration moments. We just kind of see something in a, in a different light. Well, we're just reminded of the light it should have always been seen in. But sometimes, you know, a night in the restaurant with the kid, you can forget about the good times. Here's the challenge, it seems to me. I mean, actually, I think here's the requirement, I think. We need to do two things a lot. We need to recognize those moments at the top of the mountain. I mean, hey, we're really good at the, the restaurant nightmare moments. We don't forget those. We're really good at taking note of when something's missing. It's not the way it should be. It's not, it hurts right now. Yeah, we got no problem jotting that down. But sometimes I think we're not so good at recognizing how great life can be. That's number one, recognition. And number two is memory. Remembering those moments. You recognize them, and then, man, for God's sake, you better not forget them. You better put them on some file that you can't erase. You can't lose. Because if we do, if we do lose them, if we fail to recognize them, or if we fail to remember them, and then I think the restaurant meltdown moments can weigh on us. Exactly. <laughs> you know, look at this gospel. 
This transfiguration, which we celebrate today, is a kind of a special feast day in the church. Why does this happen? This whole thing with Jesus and the apostles and bright lights and Old Testament ghosts sort of showing up and what's with all the special effects that are described in this gospel? Why does Jesus, Jesus invite these guys up to this mountaintop to have this experience? You know, this has been, since almost it happened, church people, believers, theologians, they've all been kind of speculating. What was this about? What did it mean? Was it symbolizing stuff? A lot of people say it totally has to, it connects us with the Old Testament. It says that, yeah, Jesus is the fulfillment of what the Old Testament began. These Old Testament Moses and Elijah, these leaders, well now it's Jesus. And he has them, you know, the story brings them together. That makes sense. I'm sure that's part of it. Here's what I think might be another reason why this transfiguration happens. I think maybe it was very practical. I think maybe Jesus just wanted to create a moment. And then a memory. Not for himself, but for the apostles. For these three guys with him. I think he wanted, I suspect he wanted something great and true and confirming to happen to these guys. So it wouldn't be forgotten. Because he also knew it wasn't going to last. It wasn't going to be awesome 24-7. It never is. It won't always be glorious. Jesus knew the cross was coming. He knew it was coming first for him. And then he knew it was coming for the apostles after him. So maybe it was really practical. i got to give them this experience so they remember it. So when things get really ugly and tough and dangerous and scary, when life gets hard, I can go back to this moment and I'll remember, yeah, my promise to discipleship was right. This wasn't a mistake. I can't walk away from this. I can't bail, even though it's tough. You know, Peter, I love Peter for, you know, a thousand reasons. You know, one of the things I think is so great about him, he's always like a, kind of like a mixed bag. You get things about him that are so great and you want to like, you admire him. And then you get other, you get this very human sort of messed up element of Peter. You get the best and the worst. And sometimes he's a hero and sometimes he's kind of a fool. Which is us. We're both, aren't we? Hopefully the hero thing is more than the fool thing, but sometimes not. I think two things happen with Peter on the top of this mountain. One's good and one's not so good. The not good thing is this. I think his reaction is kind of selfish. It's almost like immature. Understandable, but not really right. He's so psyched. He's so wowed by what he's just experienced. There has been such... It was like mission accomplished, Jesus. Everything Jesus wanted happens. So that he's blown away by it. So much so that he says, let's just stay. Let's not go anywhere. I'll go set up tents. We'll camp out. We'll never leave. It'll stay like this forever. Well, it won't. Because it doesn't. It's never awesome all the time. So Jesus says, you know, I get it, but no. We're not setting up camp. 
We can't stay here. We got to go back down this mountain. I just want you to remember what happened up here when we go back down there. Because it'll get you through down there. I mean, we're all guilty of that. Don't you just want some things to last great, great things to last forever? Like a great vacation. You just, ah, oh, you're like, you don't want it to end. A great movie. You just like, a great concert. Like, don't stop. It's just so good. Well, it's got to stop sometime. So does the best of life, or at least gets interrupted. I mean, could that be maybe a factor in, on some level, maybe why marriages today don't last? On some maybe unspoken, even kind of not even conscious level, you know, did I think things were going to be perfect forever, all the time? Like, of course not. So at some point, when they stop being mountaintop awesome, I panic, I freak out. And maybe I step away. People who battle drugs and drink, in some cases, is it sort of this escapist thing? I just want it to feel good all the time, and then before you know it, addiction kicks in. But could the start of it been like, I just don't like when it's not all perfect. So let me get hammered. Let me get wasted. And all is really good, sort of, kind of, temporarily. So this may be the negative with Peter. Like he just, he thought it was going to, he, he tried to make it last. It won't last 24-7. Here's the great thing he did. He went. He went with Jesus. He went up the mountain. He accepted his invitation. Think about it. Like I wonder, why was it only these three guys that went up there? Why just Peter, James, and John? What happened? What about the other nine? Maybe they were asked. I mean, Jesus usually did everything with them together, didn't he? Maybe he said, let's go, guys. We're going up this mountain. Maybe nine of them were like, we're not going. I don't feel like it. Where this happened, this Mount Tabor, I was there back in the fall when I was in Israel. And I was in the mountain where they're pretty sure this transfiguration happened. It's a serious mountain. You know, this whole pilgrimage I was on, we were driving in a big giant bus, big tour bus the whole time till we got there. We had it at the foot of the mountain. We had to get out because this bus would never make it up this mountain. It was way too steep and way too windy. So we had to get out and you got in these uh, like little minivan thing, cabs, and we went up this road. I remember thinking, man, this must have been brutal walking up this thing. Minus, first of all, walking it. Minus roads. Hey, maybe it was very practical. Maybe the, the other nine were like, I'm not walking up there. That's tough. That's just going to be a nuisance. And maybe the credit of Peter, James, and John was, yeah, all right, we'll go. We don't, I don't, don't want to go. No, we know it's going to be tough, but we're going to go. And they did, and they came back changed. So what's the point there? You've got well, you to climb the mountain. You've got to accept his invitation. Wherever he's calling us to, and he does, and he is always, we got to be willing to say, all right, I'll go, even when I don't want to go. Most of the time, it's a place where we don't want to go, because he calls us to challenging places. He doesn't call us to the easy life. He calls us to the right life. And that's always, doesn't it? That always involve work. 
some element of struggle? Hey, it's like if I want the glory, I got to be willing to climb the mountain. You know what I think we have a lot of today? We have lots of people who kind of want church. They want Jesus on their terms. As soon as it gets tough, they're like, I'm not buying. I don't want that. They want to know Jesus, but they want to hang out at the bottom of the mountain. It's lame at the bottom of the mountain. It's distant. It's not complete. But when Jesus challenges us, when the church challenges us to live a legitimately authentic Christian life, it's like, that's not going to be easy. It's like climbing a stinking mountain. I don't want to do that. Okay, don't climb the mountain. You're never going to know the glory. We'll never fully know what this is about if we're not willing to do it. So what's your mountain? What's the mountain he's calling you to? I think it's all about this invitation. He didn't just, just invite those three or maybe the twelve. It wasn't just them. The invite is to all of us. It's like I got the RSVP. It's on a, on a pile of envelopes on my desk. Am I, gonna, am I responding or not? I remember when I worked, when I, um, worked on the college campuses. I was at Delphi and Hofstra, uh, Stony Brook for a little bit. We'd have kids at Mass on a Sunday night. There'd be kids who would come regularly. It was great. And then we'd offer a retreat. And I'd look, at, look for certain kids and think, man, yeah, these, this thing would be great for this crew of kids. So I'd go over to them. I'd say, you should think about going on this retreat. It's a weekend. And they'd look at me like, it's a whole weekend? I've got to give up a whole weekend to like pray? And I wasn't like, well, you're not going to be praying the whole time. That'll be part of it. But, but I'm like, yeah, give it up. Give up the weekend. Like, you know what? In other words, climb the mountain. Some did. Most didn't. Most were like, no, I'm not climbing the mountain. Thanks, Father. But no, I'm, they'd make up some excuse. But some would. And you know what? The ones who did, they came back different. Always. They saw things in a different light. What happened to these three guys at the top? They went up. They saw Jesus in a new light. That's what happens when we say yes to the invitation. We'd have these mission trips. We'd be going to um, Central America, things like desperately poor places, for a week. I'd be like, hey, you want to go on this, this mission trip? Yeah, Father, it's a whole week. Oh, and it's always spring break. Like, are you crazy? I'd be like, yeah. Like, it is spring break. It is a whole week. And you should go. Most didn't, but some would. The ones who did, their perspective was never the same. And it was for the better. I was here last week, uh, 8 o'clock mass. And I saw a kid standing in the back. And he's a kid from the parish, I know. He's going to be a junior in high school. And he's a lifeguard. He was uh, in his, wearing his t-shirt and he had a bathing suit on. And he was obviously getting ready, he was getting, going to work. But he was at the 8 o'clock mass. That can't be easy. It's kind of annoying, isn't it? <laughs> you, know, you know, he's usually at the beach mass. He's usually at the 6.30. I guess he goes there right after work. Anyway, I saw his mother last night, and I said, hey, I saw him at mass. That was great. And she said, yeah, he had something to do last Sunday night, so he couldn't be at the beach mass. So he got up early, 
before mass, I mean before work, to go to mass. That's kind of a pain. That's kind of a nuisance. Sort of like climbing the mountain. Like I don't feel like doing that. I'd rather sleep for an extra 45 minutes. Well, this kid didn't. And you know what? Three, four years from now, when this kid is away at school, when he's a sophomore in some campus, and he gets a phone call from home that somebody has died unexpectedly, he'll survive. He'll be heartbroken. But he'll make it. Because of his faith. Because of his commitment. Because he'll know Jesus better than the lifeguard who just kind of said, you know, I'm not going. It's just kind of a pain. When he's a junior in college and his girlfriend dumps him and he's blindsided by it. And heartbroken by it. He'll get through it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but he'll get through it. When he doesn't get the internship that he, he deserved, he'll be okay. Because he made the commitment. Because he accepted the invitation. So one more time, like, what's your mountain look like? What's he calling you to? Where is he calling you to? I mean, this, is, this is the question. This isn't just religious speculation. This is it. He calls us all the time. Sometimes to major life-changing things, like the person I marry, the priest I become, the job opportunity I take. Yeah, that's the stuff that transcends years. And they're the biggest ones, I guess, most important. But every day, he's calling us somewhere. And the challenge of it all is to figure that out. And when life is good, recognize it and remember it. So that you get through when life isn't so good. Where's he calling you? What's the, I, wonder what, I wonder what the itinerary is. Here's two facts. Whatever the itinerary is, it's not going to be easy. But if you say yes, you're going to come back different. Good different. So pack your bags. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. Once again, keep an eye out for our discussion and our Q&A episodes. Don't forget, if you've got a question for Father Brian, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast by downloading the iTunes app for iPhones and the Stitcher app for all other devices. And as always, please share with your loved ones. We'll be back next week, and until then, God bless.